The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Ubisoft and Ubisoft of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Hard Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is ubiquitous, Josh. How are you doing this evening? I'm okay. I'm okay. It's been a day. <laughs> gotcha. But I'm here, and that is all that matters. So here's the interesting thing. You talked earlier, Josh, about how in our Skype call, I sound really bad. Um, and I'm going to be honest. My inputs are off the charts. So listener, if this audio is bad, I apologize. I've checked it a whole bunch of times, and it sounds okay, but my, oof, my goodness. Your webcam isn't recording audio, is it? You know, that's a... <laughs> It's not. That's a good question. There I double checked. Yeah, it's still it's my <laughs> microphone and stuff, but my levels are way high. I turned them down. They're still way high. So I don't know exactly what's going on. So again, my apologies, listener, uh, if this sounds really bad. I, I hope it doesn't, but I apologize if it does, because I am maxing out pretty much all the time here. So I don't know what the deal is. One week where Josh sounds good, finally. <laughs> or better, not good. <laughs> well, I think you've sounded pretty good as of late, not going to lie. Good. Good to hear. All right. I did some more adjustment. We'll see. Hopefully this doesn't mess everything up. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's a rough one. So, Josh, it's the weekend. It's the end of the weekend. <laughs> it is the end of the weekend. Back to work tomorrow. Back to the grind. Halfway, almost halfway through July already. Yeah. Over halfway through the year. Oh, 2020. What have you done to us? <laughs> it's going to be a long year. Yeah, no kidding. I will say, Josh, though, uh, interestingly enough, when I was putting together show notes and thinking about the stories I wanted to talk about, there was kind of a lot of stories this week. Yeah. Yeah, I just really, <laughs> I had a hard time deciding on what I wanted to talk about. So we might have some bonus <laughs> stories to talk about, depending how quickly we get to things. There's just a lot of things that I thought were interesting. So I guess from a news perspective, that's nice. At least it made making the podcast this week pretty easy, but... You know, maybe things will just get better in the world now moving forward. I would say less news. <laughs> don't don't with don't, the world getting better. Don't put that expectation on yourself. Don't ex, ex, don't hope that the world's going to get better. Just accept it as it is, and if it does get better, be happy. <laughs> so you you saying hope is a bad thing is what you're saying? Right now, I think no. I think hope isn't a bad thing. I think it's we need to analyze our expectations and keep them in line with what should be expected <laughs> gotcha okay i can see that i can see that the last thing we need to do is lose hope yeah that's true that's true uh little hope you know there's that yeah see this is one of the stories we could have maybe we'll about, make you know? well maybe we'll make it to play <laughs> little hope <laughs> yeah super massive you know put, giving us a new release date for little hope that game that was supposed to be out this summer now i will say i think the newer release date is probably more appropriate for a game of that style coming out you know the day before halloween yeah hopefully it gives them time to fix those character models too you know <laughs> it is interesting though because 
Until Dawn's character models were so good. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. And granted, they had a really long time to make that game. But goodness, did that game look nice. And things haven't quite held up the same since then, I don't feel like, for Supermassive. Now, newer games look older than their older game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. But see, that's just one example. There were so many things that we could have talked about this week, but you know, we each picked our typical things anyway. And then I added a whole bunch at the end. We could talk about more if we want to. So, we certainly uh, Josh, can. Is yes. it really warm where you are? It is very humid. Uh, we have been over 90 the past two days, but it's also been about 70 to 80% humidity. So it's definitely felt like over 100. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's been rough. Yeah, we had, I had that very weird sensation that only happens every once in a while in that it was very, very warm outside, very humid outside. The sky was very dark. So I said, okay, time to take my dogs out. Let them get a bathroom break in here before the skies open <laughs> up. And as I was standing outside, I could feel the temperature drop 10 yeah. plus degrees like while I was standing out there. And that is a really cool thing to kind of experience. I've definitely experienced it multiple times in my life. But it's also kind of terrifying because usually that doesn't result in good weather happening. <laughs> no, that's usually like a tornado or something. <laughs> right. And it wasn't anything that bad. It was definitely a pretty rough and tumble thunderstorm, but nothing damaging by any means. But that was kind of a cool thing. I hadn't experienced that in a while, and that was fun to be a part of again. And then we got the rain that we desperately needed. Uh, and it has cooled off since then, though. It looks like midweek we're going to be ramping back up into the 90s again. And I know in a lot of parts of the country, that's no big deal. Yeah. But for me... That's real. I really don't like weather like that. No, I hear you. We we were we dodged a bullet by not getting that tropical storm up here, so we were lucky with that. But um, yeah, we're not catching a break weatherwise. We're going to be in the eighties and nineties all week. Gotcha. And uh, do you know what your schools are doing for opening back up in the fall? <laughs> nope. No, they don't know, and I know that they don't know, and that's all that I know. <laughs> Gotcha. So it's not like, oh, we know what we're just not saying. They genuinely don't know. No, they're sending out more. Sur- they're sending out surveys to parents um, okay. to try to gauge if the parents will even be sending their kids back and what they're expecting. I've seen some crazy plans mm-hmm. that are so crazy that I can guarantee you they'll never happen. <laughs> um, Excellent. Uh, one being um, sending carpenters. To every school, having the custodians remove all the furniture, putting down a plastic sheet on the floor, and then putting all the furniture back. But why? One. (laughs) Two. (laughs) uh, All the chairs are so old that they would immediately rip the plastic off the floor the second a kid moved the chair backwards. (laughs) Can I ask why they're putting plastic on the floor? I mean, they're not doing that. I can tell okay. you that for sure because it's a stupid idea. <laughs> uh, maybe they think it's easier to clean. I'm not really sure what their I mentality so. behind it is, um, but it's not a good idea. Unless they were thinking it. plexiglass and then you're just creating like an ice skating rink for every student in the school. Right. And it seems I'd have to imagine that most of your cover floor coverings are pretty non-porous. No, we're going to re-wax them. Like we're right. currently waxing yeah. the floors. So like... The floors will be clean. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, we're. Uh, I officially go back to work, uh, working at work, uh, August third. Oh wow! So, okay. Yeah. Yep. So that'll be interesting. We don't know for sure yet if I'm going to be 
there every day or kind of how that's going to work because they are implementing some pretty significant uh, like social distancing guidelines and all that good stuff. So I can't even really meet with students in my office. I'm going to have to meet in a conference room, but we only have one conference room. <laughs> you can do you uh, have a cafeteria. <laughs> well, and that's the funny thing is that there's, you know, four of us are in this office complex with one conference room. So then I guess each of us are going to get dibs certain days of the week <laughs> that if for some reason we have to meet face to face with a student in order to maintain social distancing, we'll, we'll have this conference room, which is fine. Like it's a good plan to try to keep everyone safe. Like, I don't think that's necessarily bad, uh, but it just is interesting then that I'm going to be going to work, but still four of my five days a week or whatever, I'm going to have to meet with people via zoom anyway. <laughs> um, so it just seems odd to have to go into work. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, nothing is set in stone as far as that goes. But sometime that week is when we're supposed to be, you know, back at full capacity and all that good stuff. So it'll be, it'll be interesting and fun to see how all that plays out. So don't worry, Florida's going to ruin it for everyone. So thanks. Well, Florida, we'll all, we'll all be back in phase one in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Florida ruins a lot for a lot of people. So, <laughs> and I say that having family who lives there that I love very, very much. Yeah. Uh, but with that, everyone, thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter, or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. Uh, we're a proud part of playing some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled to support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversation about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy... There's a podcast on the network that's right for you. One final little show note, just to go along with my audio potentially not being great this week. Uh, if you hear any construction noises in the background, my apologies. I will remove them as best I can. Uh, but they, that might happen from time to time as well. What time is it there? How do I get construction going on? Well, I know, I know what time it is there. Yeah, it's you know, it's just in-house construction things that are happening. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So just, you know, when it's not very loud, but when it happens to be on a wall next to you, it makes Don't it apologize so. to these people. You're a human being, just like they are. <laughs> well, happens. I care about the audio quality. I try to make it good. <laughs> uh, but with that, Josh, what is your first topic this week? Well, I, I kind of just, um, I went a little light on the topics, and I kind of just used what I wanted to talk about. And something that I wanted to talk about was Marvel Villainous, uh, Infinite mm-hmm. Power, because... This week, um, um, Watch It Played posted their How to Play um, Marvel Villainous, and I was treated to something unexpected, actually. Uh, While it generally sticks to the villainous formula, Mm -hmm. there's a lot different um, to this game. So I thought I'd go over a couple, touch on a couple of the things, maybe not everything. And then maybe I thought uh, we could like we did when the first villainous came out, maybe suggest a couple of villains we would like to see in the inevitable expansions okay. uh, to this game. So the first thing that we see is, well, we have um, the same kind of cards. You have a deck for each of your villains. Um, our villains are, I'm going to try to remember them. Um, Hela from Thor, Thanos, Killmonger, from Black Panther, Taskmaster from the upcoming Black Widow. Um, what am I forgetting? Uh, there's five. 
uh, you know, a professional would have had this plant. Now I can zoom in and I can see Ultron. There we go. <laughs> Good job, Josh. Uh, yeah, so those are our villains. Um, there is something new right away called specialty cards, which are added to your main deck, not the hero deck. Um, which, if I read you um, from Board Game Geek, the example from Killmonger's deck, um, it says, like, before moving your villain, you may discard a card from your hand to find Killmonger's Fury, then add it to your hand. So basically, um, these are cards made uh, more, like, they're called specialty for a reason. They're more specific to your character. They're less general, if you will. Uh, you also have a change to the hero cards. Some hero cards, which are the white cards, if you played Villainous, um, which are your fate deck cards, not hero cards, fate cards, um, have a icon on the bottom right-hand corner that indicate a specific villain. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason they do this is because in this new version, you're actually shuffling your fate deck in with the people's fate decks you're playing, plus it has a general stock of fate cards. Oh, interesting. So if you pull like a uh, Killmonger hero card, uh, you don't have to play it on Killmonger. You can't, if you choose to play Killmonger, it do, it's it's stronger. I think it it's more effective against that hero. I mean, that mm -hmm. villain. But if there's four of us playing and I'm Thanos and Lucas is Killmonger and you're Ultron, I can play it on you, not Lucas, mm -hmm. uh, which is a pretty big shift for the villainous style of game because typically you're just playing your own fate deck right. against yourself. And now you're throwing in everyone's. So now Black Panther could be in your realm messing with your goals instead of, um, say, a specific villain, a specific hero for your villain. Right. Which I think is pretty interesting. Um, you also have cards called Rivals. So um, Killmonger's rival is Claw. Um, and it says, Claw starts the game at the Golden City. When Claw is defeated, flip this tile over to reveal a challenge for the throne and then move tiles in this pile to the specialty area of your domain. So it is also noteworthy that there is a specialty area in your domain as well, which is where you play your specialty cards. Um, and then we have events. The events are sideways cards. They are reminiscent of locations in Guardians. Um, an event has a power level on it and a villain logo on the right-hand side. Events... Uh, anyone can participate in. And if there's four of us playing and you and I combine cards together to mm -hmm. defeat an event, we share a reward. Oh, nice. Um, but like the Killmonger one uh, is called Stolen Antiquities, and the event says Killmonger cannot play items. Reward for defeating it, Killmonger may find any item in his deck or discard pile, then play it immediately to free for free in his domain. So you have these really interesting things, and also you it, you only ever have one event out if you play the basic rules. 
Like the mm-hmm. ultra hard mode is like you can just stack events and they're they're all played at the same time. But um, if you draw a new event while a current one is out, it does not replace it. It just goes into the discard pile. Uh, so there's definitely a lot more um, to it. There's also a thing, um, another specialty, like location. Now, this one's called The Mines Are Lost, and it says when you defeat, uh, remove or relocate Black Panther while he is in your domain, flip this over. And then when you flip it over, it has that um, pay-to-play card. So it says pay-to-power, um, reallocate explosives to another player's domain. If Black Panther is in your domain, flip this tile over. So you're constantly flipping cards or tiles back over. Um, we just played Villainous last uh, uh, last Wednesday, and it was my first time playing as Radigan. So it was my first time experiencing a flip token mm-hmm. where things are different depending on how your scenario is. So I think it's pretty interesting to see um, they're taking every... Almost every aspect of this game looks exactly like Villainous. From the decks to the player boards to the tokens. Um, it does add more tokens, which is interesting, mm-hmm. that you put into the chalice or the po- throne of power. Um, like uh, It adds um, plus one tokens, so if you need to strengthen um, one of your heroes, it has plus and minus one power tokens. Uh, there's also special, like Hella has special tokens that get mixed into the pot as well. It's going to make this game harder to play over Skype, I think, because it's adding more uh, variables. Right. But um, I think for if for whenever we can finally play in person, uh, <laughs> it adds. It definitely adds a new um, experience of Villainous. So they're not just technically throwing a reskin at you while they are right. um they're adding more but keeping the core game there right 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 so i don't know your history with marvel villains but if you if you or your knowledge of marvel villains um but if you could think of one to three marvel villains you'd like to see in the expansion who yeah, do you so think you'd like to throw your hat in for so here's my first question yes uh, because of Civil War, mm. are all the heroes technically kind of villains too? Then, well, I guess it depends on what side you landed on. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. So, couldn't you just take all of them? But anyway, uh, okay. So, there's two that come to mind immediately. Yeah. Uh, okay. Actually, let me back up really quick. I'm assuming you're planning to get this game. Uh yeah. I was gonna buy it today. You can pre-order on Target. Right. Because um, this is a Target exclusive for a bit, right? Uh, I couldn't find. I'm I'm gonna guess it is based on how like how villainous it's probably a month right. it's probably a month yeah. exclusive. It comes out um July twenty sixth. Um I was gonna pre order today, I'm just gonna wait till payday. I'm gonna pre order it on this coming Friday. Mm-hmm. It's only thirty six bucks or something it's like that. Bad. It's a great price. It's not bad. Uh okay, so the two villains for me that came to mind, uh one of them I think might be controversial as to whether they're a villain or not especially you know i'm not a huge comic book person so this is very much coming from mcu perspective uh but i think loki as a villain makes perfect sense oh, yeah, though, he's right? a super villain yeah, <laughs> yeah well right villain. but i'm just saying at the <laughs> end of the mcu stuff it's potentially a little bit different yeah uh and then outside of that i think the other one that really i think would be interesting and i don't know a ton about this character other than i thought their very brief time in the mcu was pretty positive um and that's uh dormammu 
from yes. when he was in Doctor Strange. I think that would be a really good fit and and another cool kind of big superpower character that you could potentially do some cool things with. So those are the two that came to mind for me. I know, Josh, you're obviously much more well-versed <laughs> in this area than I am. So yeah. what are the villains sticking out for you the most? Well, I think it has to be mainstream, at least at first. I know Taskmaster yeah. is kind of a reach for them, um, but he's, but that, that works out well with the Black Widow movie coming out, which would have already been out anyways before this That's game. True. So people would have been even more familiar if they saw Black Widow. For me, the my first choice I don't think is anyone's for obvious choice, and it's more of an anti-hero, and I would pick Deadpool because he constantly <laughs> plays. You know, he's a villain in his own right as much as he's a hero. So, um, between him and Punisher, I think those two would be good choices for like a um, a surprise. But okay. the way that they've been marketing Deadpool. It would be really great to release a Deadpool edition expansion. So it's just like like um, 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 Gwenpool, Deadpool. Okay, like yeah, I can see and that. it's just like an all Deadpool edition. Yeah. Like and it's and it's funny and cheeky and like he's constantly like referencing how he doesn't want to do this to you uh, <laughs> and stuff like that um, or to whoever he's fighting. Uh, so I think that would be cool. I think, um, I mean, Loki is a great choice because super uh, likable mm-hmm. and also super horrible. Um, and I and I don't know um, how much they have licensing for, but based off of what Disney owns, I I really have to imagine Magneto would be uh, a someone that you kind of have to get in there, especially if you're trying to re- like reintroduce X-Men into this right. Marvel universe. But I, I guess that really just depends on, on who has, if, if that falls into th- these rights and blah, blah, blah. Um, and also Dr. Doom, if I had to pick, if I even took Deadpool out of that, Dr. Doom and Magneto um, are two must have villains for sure. Right. Uh, do you think it would be a good idea to have, modok with the game coming with the video game coming out yeah. i think this would be a good time to incorporate that because i imagine holiday probably was when we could see a first expansion for this potentially yeah some people might be you know have gotten some september october oh we're in july yeah maybe october for an expansion yeah. um modok will be great modok is a great villain um um you could do a really fun one um like an old school throwback you could do like modok um, um, arcade and carnage or venom, mm, like you okay. could do, like throw in something like that, um, like an homage to like the '80s Spider-Man and X-Men games on the consoles. Um, yeah, but Modak would be good to get in there if, um, if they're all if they're tying it all together for sure. Yeah, I, I have no doubts that there are probably already. If you go to Board Game Geek, I would assume there's already a thread about. You know there must Expansions. be. I There's bet. Be. I think I saw a comment, and it was like the re- yeah the ridiculously idiotic way too early, but all the necessary expansion discussion. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the first the- comment is Kang the Conqueror, Red Skull, Modok, and Enchantress, which oh, are great picks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, because I think games like this, and I think this happened with you know Disney villainous too. That as soon as the game was announced. 
and everyone saw who was in it, it immediately went to, oh, here's who else would be cool. Even Which is great. That's oh, great. absolutely. Yeah, that's great for them. And really, they have like what I what I hope we don't see is them veer off to another franchise. I really think now there's obviously less to work with with Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe once they get through Disney, and just because there's a villain in a Disney movie doesn't mean it, they'll be able to translate it into the game. So right. once they think they've knocked it out, they they could go with Marvel for years, and oh, then sure, and then maybe sure. do like a DC villainous. But if they want to get away from comic books, there's so many other like properties and stuff. Um, um, but I would like to see them kind of stick to this at least for a little bit, the two games back and forth, uh, and see if they can keep this. Um, I'm gonna say perfection going. Um, not having played this, but it seems like. It's just really taking up Disney villainous uh, up a notch. So oh, I'm excited. It does look very, very cool. Uh, funny thing, I was so I've gotten back into playing Journeys in Middle Earth, uh, which let me remind everyone that game is amazing. My goodness, I forgot <laughs> how much I like that game. Uh, it is so good. But while playing it, and then I had after done, done playing it, I was looking at the show notes for today. All I could think about was, my goodness, they could so easily. And that obviously would be a lot of work, but doing a Marvel reskin of that game would work so well because oh. there's so much lore to explore. There's so many places to go. You have all these awesome characters that people already care about. You can go do these other kind of uh, adventures in the world. Oh, it would be it would be such a cool thing if somebody could do that uh, and just kind of reskin the journeys in Middle Earth into marvel i think would work really really well or even dc either one yeah uh, i think would work very very well so there's a free idea for anyone who has the money for those <laughs> licenses and the ability to make an app integrate a game there you go go to town that would be great uh anything else you want to say about marvel villainous i can't wait i'm actually much more excited after seeing all the changes um mm-hmm. um now than before, and then I get I get distracted by the hotness, and then I saw Perseverance, Castaway Chronicles is up there, and it's on Kickstarter still. Oh <laughs> so gosh, I'm gonna ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited to see um, what they do with this, and and I'm actually excited to see people start reviewing this, so I can get a idea of how these new mechanics work and if they do work well. Right, I hear you. All right, Josh, my first story is about Kickstarter, because obviously Kickstarter is a regular thing we talk about on this show. Um, And the folks over at ICV2 uh, have a story that is linked from or based off of a post originally on Medium. Um, That original post is by Thomas Bedeau. Uh, The story on ICV2 by Milton Gripe talks about money raised for games on Kickstarter up dramatically in the first half of 2020. Now, the easy answer to this would be, well, of course it was. Uh, Frosthaven happened. But that's only part of the story. So, uh, important things to know that projects were down overall. And in the tabletop category, where it ended, projects were down 7% to 2098 from 2261 in the, in the year-ago period. And funded projects were down 4%. So, 1,504 funded projects compared to 1,560 in 2019. So, the success rate went up 
as far as the total number of projects were down, but like overall, a higher percentage of the projects that existed were funded yeah. in 2020 compared to 2019. So seems counterintuitive, right? We have the coronavirus. We think things would be a little more challenging, but actually overall, there were fewer projects, but more projects were successful. Right. But the big thing is, is that dollars raised for tabletop games were up 46% to $117.6 million in the first half of 2020 versus $80.5 million in the first half of 2019. So there were fewer projects overall, more projects funded, though, but the growth in the number of projects funded, not, I mean, we're talking about a difference of, you know, 46 more games were funded or 56 more games were funded. I don't think that makes up for that, you know, difference of millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, Milton goes on to say that, quote, of course, there was a record tabletop game in May when Solo Fair Games Frosthaven raised nearly 13 million, making 2020, May, making May 2020 the best month ever for tabletop game Kickstarter dollars. But even without Frosthaven, funds raised for tabletop game projects would have still been up 30% in the first half of 2020. So granted, I mean, they were frosting is credited for sixteen percent of that forty six percent, but games were still up pretty significant. Josh, does this surprise you with how worried we were about COVID and spending and all those good things? Are you surprised how successful board games were on Kickstarter? Uh, all right, you got me, Leon. Um, no, I mean yes and no. Uh, we we got a question from Kevin like maybe a month back mm-hmm. about Kickstarter and. If it, and like we kind of looked at how it, it has been pretty successful. Um, we just can't, I don't know that I can but. account for where this money is coming from because, like, by all means, we it should not be, it should not have been this successful, right? Um, but I mean, it just means that I mean, there's a lot of variables people saved money, people use their stimulus checks, people have the money to spend. Um, people aren't going out, so they're not buying board games at their local game shops. I think there's a lot to be said for it. There's also people knew Frosthaven was coming, and yeah. while it made $13 million, there's also other big games that people could have conceivably been saving up for, regardless of the pandemic. So I think right. the big question um, – that well, not the big question. The next question will be is how well does the second half of the year do? Because – now, if you maybe try to account for people who could have been saving up mm-hmm. um, or people who did have some extra money, um, we'll see if that reigns true like for the second half or or if Kickstarter takes a big drop or you know if it just flatlines. We don't really know. And, and, and obviously, looking at the news, we don't really know where, where can, the country is going to be in the next half of the year either. So we don't know like what challenges are facing us um, financially in the next few months. So that, you know, that really speaks to uh, what we could be expecting as, as well in the second half. But I think really what we learn the most from Kickstarter is this is where people want to put board games now. Yeah. And I think people are more willing to buy a board game on Kickstarter than check out a release date for a game they can go buy um and i think companies feel the same way like you see companies like renegade games constantly putting games on kickstarter instead of just publishing them when they have the means to do that uh and that's not a shame on them that's just something that they realize it's more profitable to do 
Right. But we'll talk about something later that, that sometimes that talks about how Kickstarters maybe aren't always that successful for people. So really, you also have to have the financial backing to put out a Kickstarter as well. Absolutely. It is interesting, though, if you read the full article on Medium, uh, they talk about how, and this is true, you know, for Kickstarter the whole, April was a rough month, which isn't surprising, right? April's when things really started getting rolling. Everyone was kind of pulling back and stepping back on things. But Frosthaven in May made more money, just Frosthaven did, than all the tabletop games in the month of April combined. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> you know, but, and then if you think about the fact that overall, the year the first six months was still up how you know strong february march may and june must have been then january as well obviously to to really offset you know april being a, a particularly weak month and it's not surprising you know Frosthaven pushed its start back a week i think and i and i think there were other projects that just delayed their release that were supposed to come out in april yeah. In order to to kind of navigate all that was going on there, so it'll be interesting, obviously, to see you know where the second half of the year goes. I, I'm still keeping an eye on Kickstarter and watching them, you know, just about as closely as I ever have. I, I am feel like I've spent most of my Kickstarter money for the year though already, so it, yeah. I think it's gonna be much <laughs> more challenging for me to back a Kickstarter uh, in these next six months. And you know, I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, I feel like launching Kickstarters earlier in the year is more the norm than watching them later in the year because i think especially in board games historically you know you have all the you're hitting convention season or traditionally would have been hitting convention season now where people are going to places and buying games right this is when you go and buy games and yeah. you get the new hotness not necessarily as much as pushing oh here's this new kickstarter coming up or here's this new whatever else you know we're gonna be launching crowdfunding in 30 days or whatever I don't think that happened quite as much in the back half of the year. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll, I expect things will be a little less strong for the next six months. But I think that's just also traditionally how things have dictated in the board game industry. So any other thoughts on uh, Kickstarter and board games in the first half of 2020? <clears throat> I'm just watching Tantrum House does a, um, a monthly. It usually splits it in half, like releases for Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. on youtube and i'm just like uh there's a spirits of the new spirits of the forest coming out july 21st oh nice um expansion and and uh i know there's going to be a lot more um games coming out e even just in in july uh that are going to be exciting and expensive and interesting um so we're still, at least for now, we're still at no shortness of projects. Yeah, um, that's true. Like hey, Common, Sea Rovers, Tactical Tech. Like, there's a lot of interesting games. So we're also not seeing a shortness of Arcana Rising, like of unique original ideas. That being said, I am worried about original developers coming forward and kind of being pushed into releasing their Kickstarter now and maybe a time of uncertainty where they, you know, this could make or break them because it's their first project. And how many times have we talked about the trouble with backing a company on their first project? And now it's, you know, harder to, to make that leap of faith. No, absolutely. Yeah, and then, you know, if you want to, you can still get in on the 
complete edition of Horizon Zero Dawn, the board yeah. game, for like another <laughs> week or two if you have 360 bucks to drop. Oh, man. I can't even drop the money on the soundtrack. And then I was like, well, wait, I got that PlayStation credit card. I totally could buy it. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not paying half the price of the soundtrack in shipping just to get it. <laughs> well, like I said, if you move to the UK, you don't have to pay 750 for shipping, Josh. I know. I should just find someone in the UK to ship it to me. I feel like it's probably going to still be pretty expensive. Same amount of shipping, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm uh, going to England. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go to England on vacation. That'll be the, the more affordable way to handle it. It's cheap to fly awesome. right now. <laughs> Josh, what is your second topic this week? Okay, so another uh, video game uh, is making its way over to the board game um, area. So we're going to talk briefly about Arcane Wonders revealing their new game. And then I would like us... I don't even know if I have an answer, because um, we've talked about this in the past before, um, to talk about what video game is on our wish list to become a board game. Now, this is not a game that I'm necessarily excited about. However, I do um, like this theme of a game. So, um, Secret Neighbor is coming out, or sorry, Hello Neighbor, uh, which is a game that some people love, some, a lot of people don't, uh, is coming out in the uh, social deduction party game format. Mm-hmm. Um, so Arcane Wonders, and this is from also from ICV2 um, by Jeffrey Don, Don, Dom Sanchez. Arcane Wonders is uh, working with Tiny Build, Evolution, and Genuine Entertainment. So right away we've got three <laughs> studios, studios, three companies working on uh, Hello Neighbor, the secret neighbor party game, uh, coming out in October. So it's a new party game designed by Ariel Rubin and Juliana Patel. Uh, builds off the Hello Neighbor and Secret Neighbor video game and brings uh, the social deduction game to the tabletop. You assume the roles of one of the neighborhood kids, the treacherous neighbor, or a secret neighbor to locate keys and unlock a door to win. Um, the kids win if the door gets unlocked, but the neighbors are trying to trick the kids into letting them use the key, which sounds really cool, actually. Uh, this requires no narrator and doesn't eliminate players, which makes sure the players are engaged throughout the game, which is a big criticism of social deduction is player right. elimination, uh, especially with a large player amount. So I like that. Uh, it's for five to ten players. Uh, it's ages eight and up, which is great because it's easy to get kids in and it plays in 30 minutes and it's only going to be 20 bucks. Uh, so I think it's got a lot going for it. I think that the problem is not a lot of people know what game this is. <laughs> no, that is very, very true. And it's very obscure looking as well. Even the box art is... Just a little bit off. Like, obviously, it's noticeable to ask as video gamers, but... Um, well, they're really pushing... Because isn't Hello Neighbor getting a television show as well? That's crazy if it is, but... I uh, think it is. I'm going to look this up <laughs> while you're talking, but I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, that's, that, I mean, that's interesting, too, I guess. Um, I like that... Um, like, I always have this like worry about games just coming up, but obviously... People play test games. People buy games. They buy licenses. They put their, their they put good people on it. Bad games come out, yes, but I, I choose to be optimistic about games now. And um, does that mean I'm going to want to play this game? 
not necessarily. Am I going to pick it over Spyfall? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I can't imagine that Spyfall or even um, Werewolf is more appealing to people who don't know what they are. So I don't know that that necessarily should be a criticism about the game. Um, because I can't imagine an aunt or a grandmother buying Werewolf over this. They just wouldn't know what they were buying, period. <laughs> so um, I think it's cool to see more video games making the transition to board games. I would like the opposite to happen. More board games make the transition to good video games. Um, that being said, I think it looks cool. And before I ask you if you have any more comments on this game, do you have an IP you are still waiting for to become a board game? You know, that's a great question. I think the easy answer for me right now, and I know it wouldn't be exactly the same, and I think it might not be what a lot of people in the series or fans of the series would want, but I still think Slay the Spire could make a really great tabletop game. Obviously, the nature of the game being kind of a card game but with the random elements of you know the towers and how those work built in would be challenging to replicate but i think that it would be a fun way to t- kind of take that same the same general feel of the game and and make it into a two player you know 1v1 game i i think would be fun i think that's something that you could easily do um and also to verify yes hello neighbor at least had uh a animated series yeah an animated pilot at least created so I, they're really going all in on this game, uh, which is funny because I, I remember when this game came out, it was not well reviewed at all. Yeah. Uh, but they're, man, they are pushing it hard. They really want this to be a thing. <laughs> uh, so for me, like I said, Slay the Spire, I'm not interested in this game at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, neither good nor bad, just it, it doesn't interest me. Um, but yeah, Slay the Spire is where I'd go. What about you, Josh? I'm still, uh, I think we're ripe for a Halo board game. Not just Halo Risk, uh, like a Halo worker placement, Stone Age style game, or even um, uh, maybe a, a stronger Risk style story game um, without the Risk moniker on it, without that specific game style. Um, there's a lot you can do with the Halo series, which definitely needs a, like a rejuvenation. And I think a board game could certainly help. I, I kind of also am mad that a Dark Siders board game exists and I can't play it. That makes me angry. <laughs> I mean, I can if I want to pay $400. Um, uh, that kind of bums me out. I'm also keen on a Silent Hill board game happening. Um, but I know That'd that, uh, uh, I know that kind of like plays to my, konami wants for konami board games and we're still waiting for emerson's metal gear which i really hope still happens was was august this year the new date or was it just fall it went to crowdfunding so i don't even know if it stalled because of the pandemic um don't worry i'm I'm about three or four days away from emailing (laughs) emerson again um to get him back on and find out what's going on um so we'll get to the bottom of that. <laughs> right. Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting, though. Yeah, I I just really didn't think that... Yeah, You know, in my beginning of the year predictions, I talked about how we were going to get some 
more video game franchises becoming board games and, and games that yeah. didn't already have board games. I can tell you, Hello Neighbor was not a game that, that was wasn't on, on your list. list. <laughs> that was not on my list of things that I was considering. So, Jazz well, punk know, the board game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish them luck. You know, I it's not something that's for me, but it doesn't mean I, I want it to be unsuccessful. So I wish them luck. I hope it goes well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think that there are other properties for sure that we'll continue to see this happen just with how successful board games are going to be. Um, and, and you know, it's nice that this game is 20 bucks and not 360 like other games. <laughs> so, you know, no big deal there. Yep. All right, Josh. My second topic, uh, Ubisoft Forward was held today, i.e. the day we're recording, a couple days ago, if you listen to this on the day this podcast released. Uh, and it sounds like this is going to be the first in a series of Ubisoft Forward events. Uh, they did say there would be at least another one in the fall. So... We're going to talk a little bit about what they discussed, go through the show, which was pretty short. Uh, well, maybe yeah, kind it was of short. long for the number of games that they showed, depending on how you want to look at it. <laughs> but before we do that, obviously, Josh, Ubisoft has had uh, a tumultuous time as of late. Yeah. A lot of allegations of just really not being a great place to work. Um, and just before the Ubisoft Forward, actually a couple days before Ubisoft Forward, uh, it was announced that some pretty high-level executives were leaving the company, um, including their CCO, so the head of creative, um, the person who's in charge of all the Canadian studios, and their head of HR. And that's, so, the, that's a big problem. <laughs> so those are, you know, after all the allegations came out and we started to hear about all the things coming happening, uh, Yves Gilmont, the, C- the CEO, has said he was committed to um, really improving the experience and, and kind of came out with a list of all the things that they were going to do. And there was, I think, a question as to whether or not that was lip service. Right. Uh, and it doesn't seem like it is. They're, they're definitely making some changes in some pretty significant roles, uh, yeah. including, you know, um, Sergei Hasekwet, which I think is how you say their name, who is the CCO, uh, the chief creative officer, they were the person who basically said whether or not games happened. Like yeah. that was the person you had to get through to be like, can we make this game? Uh, so th- that's a pretty big role. Just being like, you're out and HR head of HR for, you know, a studio that has literally thousands of employees yeah. out, you know? So some big changes there. So, but before we get to, you know, the actual show today, just one thing that they did say before the show is Ubisoft said, Hey, you know, this show was pre-recorded. As a result, there's nothing in this show that addresses the things that are going on, but we'll have more updates on that in the future. And the internet was pretty divided about that. Josh, yeah. what were your thoughts on their decision to not even take, and I don't want to sound like this wouldn't be a lot of work, but not even take a few minutes to input some additional five minutes or two minutes from Eve saying, hey, here's all the things that we said we were going to do. Here's the steps we've taken. Here's what we're doing moving forward. Right decision, wrong decision. What are your thoughts? I don't know that there is a right decision. Uh, I think is what it comes down to. Uh, they could have put something. Sure. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been very hard for them. Uh, however, that brings to light an issue that maybe a lot of their viewers don't even know is going on, which shines more light on it, right. uh, especially for the casual viewer. Um, also, maybe they want to do more research into what's going on before they compose themselves and put together a proper statement. And also you don't want to detract away from the message you're putting out today. And also the message you're trying to put out um, about what's happening. So 
people are coming to your event to watch new games. And if you start off or even throw it in the middle of the end, talking about these things that have been happening, I don't know that you're doing yourself any favors. It happened. Um, they are handling it and they will deal with the consequences. I saw some people kind of um, shaming them for not saying more or doing more. And I don't also hold that against those people. Like you, some people want some accountability. I just don't know it, if it's the forum for them to be doing that. They have as many days as there are left in the year to come forward and give a proper um, statement on what they're doing going forward, apologies, etc. cetera. Um, I just, I don't know that it belonged in this event, but I also wouldn't have been upset if it was at this event. So I'm right in the middle. I don't think, I don't think they could have done any right is really what it comes down to. They were going to get criticized no matter where they landed. Um, when the final project, when the final product came out today. Gotcha. Yeah. I, it would, hmm, th they were in a tough spot. I, I don't think it would have been problematic. I think it probably would have been good for them to have said something today. Yeah. Even in their pre-show. Cause they had an hour long pre-show, which I didn't watch. I don't know if you watched, I heard, I read some updates about it, but I feel like they could have said something uh, at some point today when they were, when they were trying to celebrate all their upcoming projects and, trying to encourage us to support them yeah i think it would have been nice and they they did some things to show their support for their workers as far as highlighting you know some employees who are working on some of the games and such but i i would have been nice had they come out with a little something i think to show support for all the hard work that their staff is doing to create these games and, and they the games they want us to purchase yeah um i, I don't think it's bad to acknowledge the reality of the situation you're in but yeah. anyway moving on uh breaking on down josh all the games that they showed starting off with they kicked off with watch dogs legion with a cinematic trailer and then some gameplay as well uh also leading up to or giving us the release date of october 29th this year uh josh you were you know live streaming this with the psvg folks so uh -huh. what was your thoughts on watch dogs legion well, I mean, I would say it didn't start off strong. Uh, we didn't really know what we were watching, and it turns out to be like a short film, which is fine. Maybe tell people that's what you're about to start playing, though. Um, uh, the gameplay looks um, compelling. Uh, I was, you know, I, I didn't like the first Watch Dogs. Um, I only just recently started Watch Dogs 2. I will say this. I did not get my free copy of Watch Dogs 2 that they were promising all these people uh, for watching. It didn't pop for anybody. Uh, they said they give them out still. Yeah, so we'll see. They said afterwards, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if they're going to track me watching it. Uh, uh, it it looks good. I mean, they, they showcased what is ultimately the big game changer for Watchdog Legions, which is um, recruiting um, people to your squad or to your crew or whatever they want to call it. this uh, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name they use. It's not spooks, but it's um, something similar. Or in my head it is. Uh, but basically, uh, you're going to... When you find these people in the real world, um, you actually do a origin mission for them, like straight out of Mass Effect 2 in my head. Um, 
where you do an origin mission for this character that you meet in the street, and then now they're part of your crew. And you can choose to use um, anyone from your current roster to do your missions as you progress. So, like, they showed a construction worker literally using a nail gun to kill people. Um, or you could do stealth, or you could do all these different ways, um, which is really cool. I really like the concept. Um, they also have, uh, they also show the name of the bad guys, and they work for a company called Albion. So I don't know if there's going to be a weird Fable crossover, <laughs> um, or they're going to get sued by <laughs> Peter Molyneux. Uh, but yeah, it it looks cool. I like the setting. I like London. They definitely captured London because even in with the trailer, I know just places I've been to before, just from glimpses of of London. So uh, I thought it looked uh, ambitious. What about you? So here's the interesting thing. I think it was Ubisoft who, not all that long ago, I think this was in the lead up to the Division Two, talked about how their games aren't political. <laughs> oh, this is a very political game. <laughs> and I'm not saying like Clint Hawking or anyone ever said that this game isn't, but you watch this trailer, and and I don't know how you can say this game isn't political. Now, I will say when watching the cinematic trailer, I did bristle a bit at using the first they came for poem. Yeah. Because that, you know, it has a strong meaning. It has a very strong meaning. (laughs) And I'm, I'm not against using it. I just kind of was like, well, okay. I mean, we're going for something here. I don't think it landed for me. Like maybe they were hoping it was going to, but I do think the game play looks interesting. You know, I've still never played a Watch Dogs game. I have Watch Dogs 2. I haven't played it. Uh, so I didn't need the free copy of it because I already have a copy I haven't yeah, played. Yeah, now you have it on both consoles. Yeah. Because well, <laughs> I bought it for us on Xbox. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Well, and, I, and on PlayStation, I have a physical copy of it. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, I don't know where this is for me as far as I would like to play it, but I don't know that it's a day one for me. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not day one for me. Okay. No, because it's coming out at a time where there's so many games out. Right. So, it, it I I didn't think it was a bad trailer or, or bad in any way. It, it showed, I think, very clearly what they're trying to do. It seems like the whole you can be anyone aspect of it, for the most part, seems like it's working uh, so I, I'm interested in the game. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on the game, uh, but I don't know that it is day one for me. So Watch Dogs Lead, and again, hitting October 29th um, for PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, it will have upgrades for both systems um, when the new gen comes out. So just know that you'll be able to get do that if you want to. So uh, the next game they talked about really briefly, I don't know that we'll have much to say about this, is Brawlhalla uh, that is coming to mobile. Any thoughts <laughs> on Brawlhalla? No, I mean it's it has a lot of things that appeal to me. Um, uh-huh. Hellboy, Rayman, Adventure Time. Uh, uh, actually, no, Hellboy's in is it Brawlhalla? Yeah, I think it is. Um, doesn't appeal to me, especially on the mobile. Like, you don't who wants right. to play Smash Brothers on mobile? Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a, a C Smash Brothers out of all things. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So uh, then the next, then they kind of continued with the mobile route when they talked about Might and Magic Era of Chaos and then Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, uh, which I think is about all the Rainbow Six. 
<laughs> or all of the Splinter Cell you're going to get. Uh, so any thoughts on those uh, mobile games at all? I mean, Elite Squad has the most appeal to me, but man, I could hear how many angry <laughs> Sam Fisher fans there were after they found out Bing. this was a mobile game. I think yeah. they would have even forgiven the art style if that was what the game was. Yeah, um, it's, it's Fortnite. But yeah, it it's Fortnite, Counter-Strike, Team Fortress had a baby. But then yeah. the baby is so small, it could only be on mobile. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Awesome. All right. So the next game they talked about then is Hyperscape, their new BR, which has gone to open beta. So you are welcome to play it on PC right now. Uh, we talked a little bit about Hyperscape in the past. Josh, you have any interest? You're a PC gamer kind of now. Going to play Hyperscape? Well, I, I did get a beta invite. I tried to... Um, get it set up set up today because I wanted to go into our podcast with some info on Hyperscape. And of course, mm-hmm. the beta invite wasn't working. Um, so when we were watching the show and they basically, you know, and they said it's out now for everyone right. else, uh, I do have it downloaded, but I wasn't able to get in a game before we recorded just to give you some hands-on. I think it looks, uh, it, it looks interesting uh, it definitely looks good. It looks polished. It looks like Crackdown meets Fortnite or Apex Legends. Um, it's appealing to me to try. I don't know mm-hmm. that. I, I really just think I aged out of this, um, as they say, hyper um, gameplay. It it totally reminded me of the jump from Unreal Tournament to Quake Arena. Like, yeah. Unreal Tournament is Apex. This is Quake Arena. That's not... I played it when I was younger, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I just don't... I don't see myself... Um, I don't have the reaction time I used to. I don't have the mouse and keyboard QWERTY keys. Mouse right. firing aim I used to have. Um, so I'm going to give it a, a try and see if I like it. But I don't yeah. know yet. Yeah, it's interesting because I talked about pe- with people in the Discord about this because I was watching some streamers play this during the closed beta, and it very much is an arena shooter BR, which is not arena shooters are not as popular anymore as they used to be. The because it's such a game that is not friendly to new players. Uh, and it is a thing that is very, very hard to learn and very hard to get good at. But w- when you are good at it, you can absolutely wipe the floor with people. And it was just really interesting watching the streamers I saw playing it, how f- much they were outclassing everyone else who's in the closed beta. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I-, I couldn't imagine that it was fun for some of these other people because it, it-, it wasn't even remotely close. And there's some things that, you know, the hit scan or the sniper rifle, at least in the closed beta, was hit scan. So people were getting one shot scoped from across the map. Yeah. Because it's not a huge map. So, and because there's so much verticality to it, if you're on top of a building and someone else is on top of a building across the map, you know, if you are if you have one of the high level snipers, you could literally one shot someone and they could never have seen you. And that's yeah. not fun. That, there's nothing fun about that. <laughs> I, I hope it. I, I do hope that it is successful because I think it was fun to watch. The games were very short when I was watching them. Yeah. 16 I, minutes, I, I think, is the average yeah, match. Yeah. And so the game goes by very quickly. And I do think watching people who are good at this game is very fun. It, to me, it's different than watching when you watch high-level Valorant or you watch high-level um, 
what's the game that's Valorant? It's like, why am I blanking out on this? Counter-Strike. Thank you, Counter-Strike. You watch high-level Counter-Strike. It's not always the most exciting thing to watch because it's very much who's going to peak. Yeah. You're just sitting there watching, waiting for someone to peak. And yes, every once in a while you'll have exciting plays. But overall, it's a much slower-paced game. This is just frenetic the entire time. Yeah. People are running around, jumping. I mean, it is just fun to watch. I think the one thing I might challenge from is that if you don't know what's going on, I think it's going to be very hard to follow. I hope it does well because I think, like I said, it, it seems different enough in the Battle Royale genre. Uh, but I'm not super confident it's going to do very well. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. And close to rounding the show out then was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, after the show, they even did like a 30-minute deep dive of gameplay that you yeah. can stick around to watch. But they kind of just gave a little bit of a trailer, an overview, a little more of the gameplay. Uh, kind of cool that you can dual wield any two weapons, including double shields, if you want to, which is yeah. kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> coming out November 17th, Josh, this game comes out two days later. That, you know, little cyberpunk game comes out. My goodness, November. What were your thoughts on Assassin's Creed Valhalla? It uh, looks better than I expected. Um, that being said... You know, this is for you. This isn't for me. I was really mm -hmm. excited for Valhalla, um, but because they kept saying that this was like a smaller map, a return to form, and it does not seem like that. Uh, it seems huge, yep. and it basically is a mirror of Assassin's Creed Odyssey as far as combat, inventory, right. and map goes. Um, I'm excited to see people play this game. Mm -hmm. I I just, I miss my Assassin's Creed games. And yeah. and I say that meaning I miss Assassin's Creed 1 through 3. I just really do. And uh, I I need, we talked about it on the stream because someone mentioned, Donnie mentioned Prince of Persia. And I was like, you know what? If they, if, if they took Prince of Persia and made it like the old Assassin's Creed games, my, mm -hmm. like at the Ezio games, that's, I would love a new Prince of Persia. Um, in right. that in that style, which just really means I would like an Assassin's Creed in that style. Um, I appreciate how much work they're doing. Um, I appreciate the the customization. I, I I like how the game looks. I love the theme. Uh, this is really just going to be a game. I think I'm I'm going to watch people play mm -hmm. to get my fill of the legends and the the Norse mythology. And all this kind of, and not even mythology, just like the the history. Right. Um, it's very exciting for me, but I'm just, it makes me sad that it's too big of a game for me. And I know that sounds weird to say, um, but I'm also super happy that it is as big of a game as it is for people who want that. Yeah. So is it safe to say that you're going to be playing Cyberpunk instead of Assassin's Creed Valhalla? You know, I don't even know what the heck I'm going to be playing in November. So uh, I think I will play Cyberpunk over Valhalla. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, Cyberpunk's a huge game too. I just think that it's more, it's newer. It's it's right. it's more. I don't want to say more original. It has that more original feel to me. Right. Um, and it captures like my memories of like the ASX. So it, it's hitting on some nostalgia while being new uh it's weird uh if i had to pick something now i would pick cyberpunk over valhalla but mm -hmm. i do that re like reluctantly because i really want to pick valhalla over anything 
Yeah, it's interesting because we're fall is starting to uh, to fill out rather nicely. Uh, we're getting September's getting pretty full. Starting to get a couple of games in October. November's obviously has a couple of big hitters in it now. Uh, so things are starting to round out pretty nice for what we're we know we're gonna be playing this fall. And I was excited about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I haven't watched the entire thirty minute gameplay yet. I, I plan to do that still. I don't know why, and maybe it's just my mood. I don't know. I wasn't super into it. Yeah. Uh, I'm still excited about this game, and I I will play this likely over Cyberpunk. Yeah. But today, as of today, I just am not, for whatever reason, getting as into this as I thought I was going to. I did see not long after this trailer came out, uh, someone had posted. I was actually looking for something else on Twitter, so I was searching on Twitter. And someone had basically said, hey, Ubisoft, what happened to this Assassin's Creed? And it was, I think, something from Assassin's Creed Brotherhood of just going around being actually able to assassinate people and just that old school gameplay. And, you know, Black Flag is still my favorite Assassin's Creed game. I know some people don't like the boat stuff. I really like the boat stuff, but that still has the 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 same mechanics of one through three as far as yeah. how you play the game and, and, and that. So I do miss that, too. I, I I think that there is place for both of these. I do like the fact that they took a chance and actually made some changes as far as what Assassin's Creed is, because I think too often we ask for change, but they get critical when they actually do make changes. Um, So I applaud the fact that they went a a little bit of a different direction, but now I think I don't know if, because you have like base building and kind of all this other stuff that's in it. I just kind of feel like, I don't know. I just, Something about this game didn't just totally resonate with me. And I don't know exactly what it was. But like I said, could have been just the day. Could have just been the mood. Um, it's still a game I'm looking forward to this fall. I like the Assassin's Creed games in general. I really love Odyssey and Origins. Yeah. Um, so like I said, maybe I just need to start playing it and then I'll be happier. All right. Then, Josh, the final game they showed then was, you know, no surprise because it had leaked a little bit early. Yeah. Um, Far Cry 6 coming out February 18th, 2021. Giancarlo Esposito playing the villain. People thought that the kid in the the little picture that had released might have been Voss, but he called him Diego in the trailer, so I'm assuming that it's not Voss, but who knows. Uh, thoughts on this game? Are you excited for Far Cry 6? Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't want to show us much, but uh, um, I'm excited to see what they do with this game. Um I think that they're changing the setting just enough. It's not mm-hmm. crazy, like a huge departure for the series, which I right. think is what a lot of people wanted for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't want Far Cry in space. I don't need that. We got Far Cry Primal already. No, I mean, we're taking it to drug running, like Fidel Castro style gameplay, tropical paradise. Um, and I think they also said you don't even play as um, uh, Anton or his son Diego. You play as someone different. Probably. Uh, I think they said that while they were talking about it. So you 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 couldn't get the, something I really loved. Like Far Cry Five was my first experience of the Far Cry. Mm-hmm. Um, although in our stream, Donnie and Garrett really were focusing on the fact that they really think this is the same character from Far Cry Three. And it could be, like I said, they just called him Diego. Yeah. So, um, so I think I'm going to play be... it for the first time. I haven't played Far Cry 3, but we got it for free uh, when buying Far Cry 5 Deluxe or whatever. So I have access to it, and it's the remaster. So I might try that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, just maybe have some backstory in case that is the ca- in case that is the case for this game. But I really enjoy knowing. Well, I really think it's going to be cool to watch the story that's telling that's being told around you. So it's going to be about you know Giancarlo Esposito's character and his son, and probably the terrible things like in the trailer you see like. He hands his son a live grenade. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's going to be right. messed up. Um, and I really feel like it's going to play against your emotions because you're going to want to save this kid because mm-hmm. you're seeing him being raised in this terrible way. But you're also going to have to probably kill him. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it really plays to that, like, tough emotional roller coaster of a ride and I, I hope that's what they focus on yeah and like i said it very well could be boss i mean that, that's a possibility we don't know from a timeline when yeah. this game is set compared to other games just saying in the trailer that was not the name that he had oh yeah, uh, yeah. but obviously it could be a nickname and you know a lot of things could change there for sure but you know i i think far cry is a game that yeah obviously you typically play as some nameless faceless whoever person who you know uh, and it's all about the villains whether it be Voss or i think hoyt was the name of the other villain in three and then pagan men in four and then all the seed family obviously in five like the villains are always important in the far cry games so having them kick it off by showing you who the villains the villain is and what the villain is doing not surprising at all uh, I really liked, you know, three, four, the offshoots there. Five, obviously, I liked less than a lot of other people did, but I don't think it's a bad <laughs> game by any means. So Kyle hates Far Cry 5. <laughs> I don't hate Far Cry 5. <laughs> I don't like the end of Far Cry 5. Um, but yeah, so far, again, Far Cry 6 coming out February 18th, 2021, both to current gen as well as next gen consoles. It'll come out then. Uh, do you think this February 18th date is going to stick? <laughs> no. Uh I do want to say that the character animations are next level. Uh, I don't know. I thought you said they're fake. I would would assume you're saying they're fake. CGI is is not a representation of the game. Um, (laughs) Last of Us 2 and Killzone 3. Um, But yeah. uh, Yeah. If you just even look at the still, like the the CGI for Giancarlo is incredible. It looks like a still image of him. Um, So I'm really excited to see where they take this with like ray tracing and all that, that next gen stuff. Um, February 18th is a great date. I think it's ambitious for Mm -hmm. next gen at least, Um, but maybe we'll at least get the current gen released then. Yeah. So they, well, they said all, everything will happen then. So we'll see. Uh, I hope it sticks. That was a good, you know, time to play uh, games like that. Obviously, you know, this year a little bit was standing because those things tended to push a little bit later, but usually January, February, we have a, a game or two that releases that, is always really solid, and I think Far Cry 6 definitely has the possibility to be that. Yes. Uh, so to kind of you know keep us on time here real quick, some games that were not there, uh, but these are games that have all been announced, but games that were not present. Uh, Skull and Bones, which we know got pushed at least after April 2021, so we know that's still a way out, <laughs> yeah. but that game was not there. Beyond Good and Evil 2, not surprising. Uh, do you think that game is still happening? I was actually surprised we didn't see it today. Um I thought for sure we would see something just so they would tell us it's still a game. So right. I, I don't know what is going on with that game right now. <laughs> Do you think Skull and Bones is still a game? Not the game we saw, but yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Roller Champions, which I think maybe was in a sizzle reel, I think. 
uh, but they didn't show that game. That game was supposedly still coming out this year. Uh, Gods and Monsters was not present at all. Uh, yeah. I think also, though, in a sizzle reel. And then Rainbow Six Quarantine we also did not see. Yeah. Um, and I think all those games have been announced. Uh, Gods and Monsters, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and Roller Champions all were still supposed to come out in fiscal year 2020. So in theory, before the end of March 2021, all those games are still going to come out. Uh, do you think Gods and Monsters, Rainbow Six Quarantine, do you think those games are still going to be out before the end of the fiscal year? Quarantine, yes. Uh, uh, no, no way, Gods and Monsters. We haven't seen anything <laughs> from yeah. that game. No other way. Than, <laughs> other than when you could actually play like 30 minutes of it uh, on Stadia. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, so they accidentally released a 30-minute like playable demo of Gods and Monsters on Stadia that people played. What? Yeah, is there a video? Was, yeah, you can I think you can go find the videos <gasps> of it. I gotta um, find it. Yeah, but it was definitely like not complete. I think there were <laughs> still even like gray boxes and stuff in areas. Like it was yeah. <laughs> um but anyway, so I kind of thought maybe I didn't I really thought like what we saw was what we were going to see. Yeah. And I I was hedging that we might see either gods and monsters or rainbow six quarantine i thought that those had the chance to potentially make an appearance but they didn't um maybe those will make an appearance this fall with the next one but the big game series that were not there but are also not announced no splinter cell no prince of persia no rayman i put that in for myself uh and no ubiart games like apparently ubiart is completely dead um so ubiart not happening anymore uh josh i think splinter cell obviously was the one everyone was hoping for what do you think the chances are we actually get a new splinter cell game I mean, they, they'd be stupid not to make one, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> why would you, why would you not put this game out? Um, I think really what it speaks more to is the fact that you can't just manifest a game by wanting it. So right. they have to develop it. <laughs> so yeah, we'll get true. it. I don't know when we'll get it. Um, and then maybe Ubisoft is like, Hey, we're going to do it, but we're going to wait. Maybe they have eight games for next gen coming out next year. Yeah. And they're true. all the games we were waiting for. You know, I, I don't know um, how that's going to shake out. Um, right. So who, who knows? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at some gameplay from Cuz Monsters now and. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. yeah the, Google released a statement that we're like, we're really sorry. That was an oops. Uh, anyway. So uh, overall, as before we move on, how would you rate Ubisoft Forward? Oh, well, I went into it comparing it to what Ubisoft is usually my favorite conference yep. of all of E3. So uh, the mm-hmm. C, maybe a yeah. C minus. Yeah, I think the hard thing for better or for worse is that even everything there was known quantity. Uh, you know, the only thing that potentially may not have been a known quantity was if they hadn't already released hyperscape obviously the mobile games we probably didn't know about um but i think elite squad even i think was announced like last year uh but hyperscape was like the only thing that might have been kind of remotely new so they went in and really only showed you know five games basically is what they talked about so i'm interested in all the games other than the mobile stuff I, i they're all interesting to me but also there was no there was no sizzle there was no that last big bang thing that they could have left off with, which I think was for me a little disappointing, not just having that one more thing that is so common in in conferences these days. So if they didn't leak that far cry just days ago, that would have been a great end to their thing. It would have been, I mean, on the flip side, 
I kind of I think everyone kind of knew a new Far Cry was coming. It still would have been really exciting to see. I, I don't want to discount that at all. I think that probably did take some wind out of the sails. Um, it just would have been pretty cool. I think even I think if that had even been Splinter Cell over Far Cry, I think people overall would have been way more excited about it just because oh, we for were sure, waiting yeah. so long for that. Yeah. Um, not that the Far Cry Six doesn't look bad. I'm not saying that at all. I just yeah. So overall, I mean, I'm looking forward to the next one because in general I like their games, but. Um, I'm glad it was 45 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. All right, Josh, what is your third topic this week? All right, let's hit this one quick. So Deadly Premonition 2 is a game, I, I guess, um, yep. <laughs> that it came is. out. <laughs> uh, for me, what I put was it, it, it's raising some interesting thoughts on game reviews. Um, and I the reason why I, I bring even bring this up was you know, it's been floating around our Discord because Donnie is a huge fan of Deadly Premonition. Yep. And apparently so is a bunch of very specific gamers in the world because right now it's sitting at a 57 Metascore on, mm-hmm. based on 40 critic reviews. It's also at a 6.6 user score, which doesn't seem very high, right? Right. But it is not very hard to find scores of 100, 10s, yep. 80s, 9s, and, and some of them from pretty uh, um, credentialed people. Uh, <laughs> I, so what I, what, I'm, what I wanted to talk about, not even necessarily about Deadly Premonition 2, um, but what this raises, the question on where where we always talk about like reviews and like we have people we trust to do game reviews and stuff um and lead us in the right direction when when is this going to be something that is streamlined where people are held to a standard where you can't ignore you can't give a game a hundred when it has game breaking or non playable bugs. Like why why does this still happen, and how can you trust people? Someone starts their hundred perfect score review with The Last of Us Two, epitomizes everything about overly produced mass market friendly content that many of us are becoming exhausted with. How do you start your review for Deadly Premonition Two with that sentence? Yeah, because you know, Last of Us Two, so mass market friendly, everyone just loved that game, right? How no like, controversy about that mass market friendly <laughs> game at all. And that's from a critic. That's not from a user. So right. how do we so right now critic reviews is nine positive, nine negative, twenty-two mixed. Yep. User reviews ten positive, three mixed, five negative. It's not a huge like range to grasp from, but um, I watched a little bit of um, um, some people play it online on YouTube. Right. Um, Alana Pierce being the most notable, I think. Mm-hmm. And just she, you know, it was so bad she couldn't contain her hysterical laughter, which I shared with Donnie. And I really do hope he enjoys this game, but I'm just really curious more less less about their reviews more about maybe even metacritic should we get rid of metacritic oh i mean i i think in some ways yes 
I, you know, game reviews by their very nature are subjective, right? You can't have an objective game review. It just isn't possible. Everything is, I think very clearly is that one review you read from. Everything is shaded by the color glasses we wear and the things that we prefer and the things that we like. And just like, okay, this is going to be controversial. I got to be careful about how I say this because <laughs> I'm not trying to paint games press games reviewers with a broad brush sure but i but i think there are people in some select individuals not everyone some select individuals who see their role as a reviewer similar to the role of other artists and creators that it is it is okay to be controversial or it is encouraged to be controversial in your reviews now, with that being said, I'm not saying that I discount all reviewers. Just like, you know, I've reviewed games in the past. We have gotten games for review in the past. And I do my absolute best to look at them um, with a, you know, clear eyes, clear heart. Can't lose. <laughs> um, I, I do my best to do that. But we all bring baggage to games, right? It, it is what we bring. Yes. So if you are someone who is predisposed to like a game or predisposed to not like a game, uh, it, it might be easier then to really, you know, put the screws to something or really lift something up higher than it should be. For example, I absolutely love the game Assault Android Cactus. I think that Twin Stick Shooter is yeah. absolutely brilliant. I love that game. Uh, I tout it to people. I've gifted it to people. Like, I really, really enjoy that game. To me, that game borders on a 10. I think it is absolutely amazing. I think most people in playing that game would not agree with that assessment of it, right? Uh, because it's a genre I like. It is an art style that jives with me. I love the music. I just love the way that game goes. So for me, I think it's really subjectively an amazing game. If you try to get objective about it, it gets really hard because, you know, like it controls better than a lot of games. It, the graphics are better than a lot of games, but not as good as, you know, it, it gets really great then. So, yeah, I, I think overall... I don't necessarily know that we should get rid of Metacritic, but I do think we should get, I still have to come around more and more that game score, like scored reviews are less valuable than they've ever been. Because I can tell you in reading the first sentence of that one review, that all that review is going to, I'm not going to agree with that review. I'm The perspective that sure. reviewer is coming from, I cannot connect with. So I know I'm not going to connect with their review. That doesn't mean that... Yeah. So anyway, like I said, I get you. that's kind I of get my you. thought. You get what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm not trying to paint reviewers in a bad, a bad red. I'm not some conspiracy theorist who thinks people get paid and blah, blah, blah. Like I, none, none of that is, I don't, I think is true, but I, I think we all just need to be very careful and thoughtful about the reviewers that we like and that, and find ones that work for you. But this is why I think scores in general are bad. Yeah. Yes. That makes total sense. Here's an 80 out of 100. Ultimately, Deadly Premonition 2, A Blessing in Disguise, is not about what you can tolerate, but what you can accept. <laughs> That's also yeah. a great first sentence. Spend, yeah. spend $50 on this game. It's not about what you can tolerate for bad production quality. It's what you can accept. And then you can move on from here. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I just don't know. We can't... We, uh, we can't have games that continuously come out like this uh, that get review scores like this. Right. It's misrepresentation of video games and yeah. what should and should not be accepted. And I'm not saying this game shouldn't exist. That would right. be crazy of me to say. 
Right. But I so do not I think that these reviews are incredibly misleading. And it couldn't lead people to make a poor decision on this game if they go by review scores. Yeah. But hey, you never you know, they they might still really like it. I liked Lollipop Chainsaw. <laughs> I thought that game was fun and it didn't review well. So, you know. That's true, it didn't review. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Anything else about Deadly Premonition 2, Josh? Uh, don't play it. <laughs> but you also haven't played it, so someone might like it. Yeah, you don't know. I'm I'm kidding. Donnie's gonna play yeah. it and uh we'll get some we'll get some uh thoughts, thoughts from, from Donnie. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I do look forward to his, his him playing it and see what he has to say. All right, Josh, my last topic is kind of a, a group topic. I think yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so, actually, hmm. we have a guest next week, right? We do have a guest next week. Okay. Well, I'm not, scheduled. Ske- we have a guest scheduled. Okay. I'm not, I was going to like, I was like looking at the time. I was like, maybe I'll save this for next week, but I'm not going to. <laughs> just because I, I, yeah, just since we have a guest, this might take a little <laughs> long. So I apologize, everyone. This episode might be a titch longer than usual. Okay. We're only an Josh. hour and a half in, right? <laughs> That's true. Uh, Josh, you and I were fortunate enough to get a screener for another movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie, uh, you know, we're, we're a little different than the previous movie. Uh, this movie is called Game Master. It is a documentary uh, that is directed by Charles Maroos. Um, and this game, this documentary came out, uh, comes out this month, uh, and really is just an inside look into the board game industry and looks at, um, some popular creators behind board games. It looks at people trying to get, uh, games published, um, either through Kickstarter or kind of working their way through pitching games to publishers and all that good stuff. So it really gives you that inside look to the business side uh, of the board game industry that, you know, you might not get otherwise. Um, like I said, we were fortunate to get a screener for this. So Josh and I did not pay you to watch this movie. So kind of take everything we're going to say then with a grain of salt, if you'd like, um, uh, but Josh, what was your experience with Game Master? What were your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I will say it is you, it is out for purchase. Um, yep. I think it came out on Tuesday for purchase, or at least this past week. Um, what were my thoughts? Well, I really enjoyed this documentary a lot. Uh, it was longer than I expected, but that's not a yep. bad thing. Uh, it, it chronicles, it, it follows for... Uh, board game designers, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of like posits that that's what the the documentary is going to be around. But I, I think there's so much more, definitely, to this documentary. In fact, they they interview um, so many board game designers. Um, yes. a lot of people I really respect. Um, uh, but one of the funny things that happened, um, I don't know if I uh, can you spoil a documentary. They they talked to one of the the guy the designer who created the game Trekking, mm-hmm. um, and they show how he went into business with his family. And there's a mm-hmm. there's a, like a part in the in the documentary where he he basically just says like don't go into business with your family like and that was very clear like there, he said there's a lot of tribulations between him and his his folks getting this game done and and sold and and and. Uh, so I'm like watching this and I'm like, oh, wow, this, this seems like incredibly tough. And then like, I don't know, five minutes later, they cut to Klaus Tuber and he's basically like, this is a family thing. <laughs> Do yeah, everything yeah. with your family. And I'm so successful because of my family. But getting to see Klaus in his story, even just a mm-hmm. little fraction of it was yeah, 
incredibly inspiring to me as a huge lover of Catan mm-hmm. and to see what he's done. And he even said at a point, he goes, there was a point when I realized I could live off Catan. Yep. And that like hit. I couldn't like, I was like, wow, that's incredible. And what a great moment for him. Um, they also talked to Eric Lang a bunch and they get into um, um, all these, all the different, all the, like um, diversity in board games and what it's mm-hmm. like to be diverse and, and how things are affected, have affected other people. There's a lot more to this documentary than I expected. Mm-hmm. And that's ignoring the four designers that are, that are like right. the feature. Um, even um, Nash, Nashra, I'm not going to try to say her last name because I don't want to butcher it, but um, putting her life and her well, not well being, but putting her life at risk, not uh, risk sounds bad, putting her lifestyle at risk to create her, this board game she wanted to tell a story with, mm-hmm. following her journey was also like incredible to watch and like, um, I just, I really feel like everything that was done in this, including all of the designer interviews from like Matt Leacock and Rainer Knizia and Bruno Catala and, uh, all these huge game designers. Um, did you, did you stay for after the credits, by the way? I did. That was really Okay. Um, uh, there, there was just so much, uh, going on. I really, enjoyed it and i did watch it on my tv not on my computer i used internet explorer browser on my xbox oh nice and maximized the screen and it was a great experience because i was like i can't sit in front of my computer and watch another movie <laughs> right so <laughs> these things are meant to be uh what did you think kyle well josh you know i like documentaries you love documentaries i do and you know that i like board games you love board games i know so <laughs> It would seem reasonable then that a documentary about board games I would love, correct? You would think that there's no way you wouldn't like this. Uh, and Josh, that is correct. I okay, this movie. <laughs> I absolutely loved Game Master. Uh, and I think you hit it on the head. It looks at so many different aspects of the industry and really gets in, I think, to the business side of the industry in a transparent way that you don't typically see. You see, you talk to the folks who made Exploding Kittens who are make millions, oh, yeah. millions even... of dollars. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, on Kickstarter, and then people who have Kickstarter games that failed. You are seeing people who are trying to go through that, like I said, the publishing process of pitching games to a publisher rather than going the Kickstarter route. Uh, you are talking to people who hear pitches from and talking about what their role is. I mean, it is really looking at the board game, the business side of the board game world in so many interesting cool ways. And like I said, for someone who loves documentaries and for someone who loves board games, this was 100% up my alley. I think it's well-made, well-produced. The interviews are are long enough and insightful enough to make you engaged, but not so long that even if I think you're not super into board games, that you get, would get bored or start to get disinterested. It, oh, I, I loved this movie, Josh. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it easily would have been like my recommendation for the week, but we have the chance to... I would have, I would have paid to rent and watch this movie without a doubt because I would just would have been interested in it, um, but I am yeah really thrilled because I think this is a really good look at the board game industry, paints it I think in a, a mostly positive light because I think that is definitely 
what they're going for is to um, show a lot of the cool ways that board gaming has grown, but it doesn't 100% ignore the problems, right? It doesn't just cast over and not even discuss the challenges of representation within the industry of the the cost of being and of getting in um to board games to how little money there is in designers for the board game for yeah. board games yeah you know and i i thought that was one of the interesting things that they talked about how you know on a game that retails for twenty dollars the designer if they're lucky is probably getting about 50 cents per copy sold yeah that was crazy <laughs> and so then you're like okay that means that if they sell you know, 10 cop. I mean, if you just think about how little money that is, even if they sell thousands and thousands of copies of a game, you know, they're talking a few hundred dollars that they're making for the who knows how many hours of designing that game, you know? So it's interesting. Uh, I loved it. I absolutely adore this movie. I, I will definitely watch it again. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I'm probably going to buy it too, just to be able to support them because <laughs> I, I just bought the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> because i i thought it was great i i really enjoyed it i can't recommend it enough and like i said yes we we got a screener we, we didn't have to pay to see it but uh i wholeheartedly uh like and recommend this movie i thought it was amazing yeah uh we're looking we're, it's still possible we might have the director on as a guest in the future we don't know um i will say you if you go to amazon prime you can rent it for five bucks you can buy it digitally for $8, which I highly oh. recommend. Yeah, it's a good deal. Um, you can buy it on DVD for 11 bucks on Blu-ray for 17 which is what I bought it on. Um, and that is available currently on Amazon.com or Amazon Prime Video. Also, I did notice you can um, pre-order uh, Marvel Villainous on Amazon with the July 26th release date. So oh, it's not a Target exclusive. Gotcha. Awesome. Anything uh, yeah. else about Game Master, Josh? No, you're right. We did get a um, review code. I just want to give credit where credit is due um, because I did reach out to Game Master when we saw this trailer pop up. Um, so uh, thank you to, I'll just say thank you to Brittany for um, getting back in contact with us and uh, I'm going to let her know that we talk about it at the end of the show. Awesome. All right, Josh, we've run a little wrong, but I'm just going to ask for 30 second thoughts on the next topics. Okay. Uh, PlayStation bought a little piece of Epic for $250 million. Thoughts? Um, surprising, but doesn't affect me. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Uh, that was like, it's like 1.4% of the company, which shows you how yeah. much Epic is worth. It's a whole lot of money. All right. Uh, Microsoft slash Xbox is potentially looking or is interested in buying those WB studios. Thoughts? Call me when it happens. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then Wizards of the Coast has banned in-store play once again for Magic the Gathering. So no in-store events, at least through September at this point. Uh, and that will include like pre-releases for their next set. Thoughts? Good. Keep your Magic players alive. That's right. All right. <laughs> we do have some email questions or unemail question. Josh, why don't you take us through it? Yeah. So, uh, Blake at the Belicious on Twitter reaches out to us and he says, what's been your favorite discovery slash find during quarantining? We found a great local Indian restaurant and I have a new love for hot honey. Uh, hey, hot honey sounds great. Uh, Indian food. Great. Also hot. Um, I don't know that I found anything or discovered anything during the quarantine because I've been too worried about everything. 
So I haven't discovered anything. Um, I will say I have been supporting um, a local uh, restaurant. I guess maybe, what did I discover? I discovered that um, a restaurant, I don't think Pub 99 is national, a local chain, Pub 99, started doing curbside pickup during the quarantine where you could also just add alcohol to your order so i would just pick up six packs of beer for like and i was like i could use a beer right now i guess i'll order a sandwich and pick up some beer so i discovered a new way to get alcohol and waste my money during the quarantine (laughs) what about you kyle um i i this isn't a discovery for me, but I guess a rediscovery would be the better way of putting it. We have a really great local sandwich shop that, for whatever reason, I have not frequented as often as I should have. Uh, but during quarantine, I have re-fallen in love with that place and have definitely frequented it far more often. So, again, I knew it existed, but for whatever reason, I, I don't even know why. I just didn't go there very often. Um, but I think now, especially for working from home. And when I'm in like a little quick pinch for lunch and I just don't have anything in the house I want, um, it has made for uh, some very good lunches and, and some very good connections with the local business, which is great. And I would agree, uh, hot honey, amazing. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it is a honey that is infused with chili peppers uh, to make it a little spicy and a little sweet all in one little package. And it is amazing. Uh, Josh, did you know that honey is actually a sometimes helpful remedy for allergies? Uh, unless you have a bee allergy. <laughs> <laughs> and now granted, this has to be local honey for it to be valid. But because of uh, the way that honey is created, if you uh, buy local honey, it can sometimes help reduce the, the allergy symptoms that you have. So there you go. There's your little fun thought of the week. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap things up and move towards the end of the show by giving you our well-rounded life recommendations. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other thing we're currently into that's helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for the listeners this week? Hey, there's this movie. It's called Palm Springs. It just came out on Hulu on Friday, and it is incredible. And it is charming and funny, and it has Andy Samberg, and it has J. Jonah Jameson in it. Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, it has the terrible teacher from Whiplash. What is his name? <laughs> I'm just going to let you hang out there for a while. No. Yeah. It J. has Simmons. J.K. Simmons in it. It has Christina Milioti, who you would know as the mother from How I Met Your Mother. Um, I don't want to say too much about the movie because it would ruin it if you don't know what the movie's about. If you know what the movie's about, well, then you know what it's about. Um, uh, I Well, I guess this is in the trailers. It's basically a new take on Groundhog Day. Um, and it's not... I know people like... it's It's a Lonely Island film, so like some people might think it's like a little crazy over the top. But I would argue... Hot Rod and Pop Star never stop, not never. stopping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never stop, never, yeah, whatever it's called. Never stop, not stopping. Never stop, never stopping. Uh, those are phenomenal films in the genre they're in. And this is no exception. This is a classic comedy that Hulu is lucky to have. Never stop, never stopping. Never stop, never stopping. I was so yep. close. <laughs> you were so close. Um, isn't uh oh gosh, uh Camila Mendez from Riverdale, who plays Veronica, is I think she's in it too, isn't she? I don't 
No, I haven't I watched think so. Riverdale. I've watched some Riverdale in my day. It's actually, that show is better than it has any right to be. <laughs> uh, so Palm Springs on Hulu, that is Josh's recommendation. Anything yeah. else you want to say about Palm Springs, Josh? Watch it now. Okay. <laughs> uh, my recommendation, let me start by saying I'm about to recommend something that is not fun to watch. This is not, it's a documentary. <laughs> yeah. You are not going to feel good about it. You are mm-hmm. not, at the end, you're not going to really feel good about anything. Um, you're probably going to be horrified. And it deals with subject matter that is extremely challenging to uh, listen about, hear about, watch about, all of those things. Uh, but with that being said, I think it is very well done, uh, insightful, and important documentary. Um, and that's called Athlete A, which is on Netflix. Uh, and it looks at the Dr. Larry Nasser scandal um, uh, and boy. his treating treatment of uh, gymnasts um, with USA Gymnastics. Yeah. So let me say there, like I said, it, it is looking at, like I said, very challenging um, topics. Uh, I cried multiple times while watching this, including like the entire like last 20 minutes of it. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it. It's not easy to watch. And there's a warning at the beginning that tells you, here's everything that this is going to talk about. Um, if you are not in the right mindset to watch this, then don't. Um, and that's why my recommendation too. If that is not a topic that you are in any way um, prepared to to take, I think that is okay. But the reason I think that this documentary is valuable and important is number one to give some voice to those who had had no voice for a very long time because of the actions of very powerful people trying to keep other very powerful people um in power and that's really what it is all about um so i think there there are things that happen in this movie that when you're done watching it or while it's happening you will just say are you kidding me how how did this happen uh and how did this happen for so long yeah um so like i said i it's a documentary so i don't think there's a ton of spoilers or you can't really necessarily spoil things for it because it's so much of it was in the news um, but I do, like I said, I think it's very powerful. Uh, I think it's worth a watch. It is a hard watch. Um, but when you're in the right mindset, um, I, like I said, I think it's a good lesson for all of us. Um, just to remember that, you know, we have responsibilities to others. Hmm. Um, and in, especially in a time when we're getting really sensitive about wearing masks or not wearing masks or what our rights are as people and, um, you know, the the free will that we have and the liberty that we have, um, it's important to know that we still have some responsibility for one another uh and that the, that not recognizing that responsibility and getting caught up in what is best for me not as necessarily what is best for everyone um can really lead to some horrible situations and i think this documentary is a perfect example um, of one of those situations so i highly recommend it but like i said it is a tough watch that is athlete a on netflix josh what do you say we wrap this show up sure let's do that <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, in addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Border3G, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Border3G. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Thanks for the new traffic we have over at Facebook. Uh, I will try to share more things on our page. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to send us an email 
at boardwithvg at gmail.com. I still stand by it. If you have a movie you want us to watch, just send us an email. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please feel free to use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us said stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board with Video Games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live on PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S I R R I U S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Thank you.